Advent, second week, last week, we, the, our theme, we've said God with us. That's what we're looking at for the month of December, taken from Matthew one twenty three. The virgin will be with a child, and she will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's taken from Isaiah 7. Last week, we looked at the idea of God with us in front of us. He leads us. Old Testament, uh, very physical uh, description or expression of that, pillar of cloud and fire, New Testament, we see Jesus physically leading his disciples for us as uh, the people of God. Now we have the Holy Spirit who lives within us, who guides us and directs us. And our big question was, do you want to be a slave or do you want to be a son? And we use that in gender-neutral terms. Uh, The Hebrews, we looked last week, they were more comfortable being slaves in Egypt than they were really following the leading of God. And for many of us, those slave patterns are ingrained in us, and it's much easier to live our lives as slaves than to live with the responsibility uh, of being sons of God. And so that was a question we looked at last week. This week, we're going to look at the idea of God being with us, behind us, to protect us. That's what he does. He protects us. This is a little bit, uh, it's not quite as clear as what we looked at last week. So y'all, bear with me. It won't seem like good news until getting towards the end. In the Old Testament, God's protection, it's uh, physical. It's very literal. Individually, it's protecting Bodies. We see that in Genesis 31, if you remember that story. Jacob, his father-in-law Laban, was a wicked or at least a treacherous man. Jacob at one point sneaks off at night with his wives, who are Laban's daughters, all of his kids, and his livestock. And Laban comes after him to do him some harm. And God shows up to Laban in a dream and says, don't say anything to Jacob, good or bad. And when Laban sees Jacob the next day, he says, I didn't touch you because your God said not to. That's Again, this physical, very literal protection of Jacob. And as a nation, God's protection looked like winning battles. It was militaristic. Israel won. We saw that last week as well. The Red Sea, the Israelites are pressed up against the Red Sea. The Egyptians are coming at them. This cloud that represents God's presence moves from the front of the company to the back and separates the Israelites from the Egyptians. Then God parts the Red Sea. The Israelites... Uh, walk across it as the Egyptians get into the middle. uh, The Bible says that God threw them into confusion. He caused their wheels to get stuck in the mud, and then he sweeps the water off. And at one point, the Egyptians say, we've got to get out of here because Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, is fighting against us. And so you have that idea throughout the Old Testament, that when it comes to God's protection, individually, he's going to keep you physically safe. And as a nation... We're going to win the battles. We're going to win the wars. There's lots of reasons for that that we can't get into. But that's what protection looks like in the Old Testament. With Jesus, there's a transition. This is just a rule of thumb. You can't use this always, but a good rule of thumb. Things that you see physically in the Old Testament oftentimes become spiritual realities in the New Testament. You can just take the people of God in the Old Testament. What God is doing is he's literally forming a nation. And the nation, there's a political structure there. There winds up being a king. There's literal dirt on the ground that he's given them. Here is your country. Here is your territory. In the New Testament, God is still forming a people. But it's not, we're not a political entity. We don't have a king. We don't have a military. We don't have dirt that he's given us. We're still the people of God. But what binds us to each other is not ethnicity or geography. It's our relationship with Jesus. So you see what, phys- what looks physical in the Old Testament, same reality spiritual in the New. It's one of the reasons Jesus had such a hard time during his public ministry is because people were looking for very literal fulfillments of these messianic predictions and prophecies. 
Jesus fulfilled all of them, just not in the way that they were looking for. For instance, they were looking for a king like David. David was the best they ever had. And they said, we want somebody like that. And according to the Old Testament, we're going to get a son of David. Jesus, or God is going to send us the Messiah, the son of David. And so we're looking for someone like him, a king who can lead us in military victory over this oppressive Roman government, a king who can establish Israel once again on this dirt that God has given us as a nation. That's what we understand the Messiah to be. Jesus wasn't that. And so he absolutely took care of oppression, but not in the way they were looking for. He did win a victory, but not the one that they were looking for. And so they missed him completely. Again, you see this transition, not all the time, but this rule of thumb, physical in the Old Testament, spiritual in the New. And so with Jesus, when it comes to protection, we have to look at it in a little bit of a different light. This is Matthew 10. This is the first ever short-term mission trip. And as we read this, and you're thinking about short-term missions, don't let this dissuade you from saying yes or sending your children. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils, and you'll be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. At at that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of the household? So do not be afraid of them. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. But I tell you, in the dark, speak in the daylight. What's whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me before others, I will also disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. So, Merry Christmas. Here's what I want you to hear from this. We're missionaries. We said that. Being a missionary has nothing to do with moving and everything with being sent. And if you are a follower of Jesus, then you have been sent. Very, very few of us will be sent overseas long term. Most of us, vast majority, will be sent to places locally. You'll be sent to the place where you live, where you work, the the areas that are dear to your heart. You are commissioned and sent as a follower of Jesus to be a missionary in those places. That is to be an ambassador for the king. For God to work through you to establish his kingdom, his rule and reign in all of these places where you're walking and living and doing your life. So as people who are sent, what does it look like for us to say, God comes behind me to protect me? When we read this, it doesn't necessarily sound a whole lot like protection. Protection. 
the first thing we notice very quickly is God sent, Jesus sends them into danger, and he makes no bones about it. He's very clear. Here's what you're getting into. Sheep among wolves. Sheep don't normally fare well among wolves. Wolves usually win. And he's saying to them, that's, who, that's how you're going out. And then what else does he say? You're going to be handed over, flogged, arrested, betrayed to death, hated by everyone, and persecuted. If that's what it means to be protected, then you wonder what does it look like to be exposed. If God, that's the deal. And Jesus wants them to know on the front end, and I want you to know, because he wants you to know. This is what it looks like. It's not an option for us. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are sent. And if you are sent, then you're sent as sheep among wolves. And this very well could happen to you. That's part of the deal. It's what we talked about earlier. There's actually a war going on. We have an enemy who prowls around like a lion looking for people to steal and kill and destroy. He does not like it when the kingdom of God advances because there's only so much territory. In every territory God takes, the enemy loses. It's just the way it is. And he doesn't give up without a fight. He's been defeated by the death and the resurrection of Jesus, but he didn't pack up and go home. He's continuing to fight tooth and nail for anything and anyone he can hang on to. And so the kingdom of God is advancing, but there's a clash. It's not like battle of the titans. It's like a baseball bat and a fly. But there is a clash. There is a war going on. And Jesus says, I'm sending you out into that battlefield. And you've got to know when you're in a war, there are casualties. And it very well could be you. The second thing you see, though, is even though he's very clear on sending them into danger, he says, don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. How many times does he say in this passage, don't be afraid or don't worry? Don't worry when you're arrested. The Holy Spirit's going to give you the words to say. If I was in jail about to be on trial, I would be very concerned about what I would say. I'd be one, are they going to try to trip me up? Are they going to trap me? Are they going to use what I say against me? Am I going to make you look bad, God? And he says, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit's going to give you the words. Don't worry when people betray you even to death. Stand firm in the end and you'll be saved. Don't be afraid. Whatever, it's all going to come to the light. God's going to bring every situation to light and he's going to deal with it. Don't be afraid. All they, all they can do is hurt your body. And we're going, yes. And he's saying, don't worry about it. They can't touch your soul. Don't worry about it. The hairs of your head are numbered. Every one of them. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than sparrows. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't sweat it. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. All of this physical distress is on the table for you. And I don't want you to sweat any of it. Why? Because I'm with you in the middle of all of those things. When I think about those two ideas... This idea that God is sending us out into danger and this idea that he says don't worry about it. A couple of things jump to mind. First, this idea we're, we're in a war. We've talked about that. The key verse, a student is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. So for me, as someone who's sent out, I just need to recognize however they treated Jesus, I can't expect him to treat me any better. And if you look particularly at the last week of his life, he wasn't treated very well. And I just have to know He's the one I'm following. And if that's what they did to him, then how in the world can I expect them to do any better to me? That's what we're saying yes to. When you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to being his apprentice, saying yes to being his disciple, saying yes to being his student, if you like that word better. And just know that the master, the teacher, he, however they treated him, is how they're going to treat you. 
when I look at this idea about it's okay, don't sweat it, the verse that comes to mind is stand for, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. I think what's going on here is Jesus is beginning to make a distinction between our physical safety, protecting us physically, and something that's going on internally. Don't worry about the one who can destroy the body. Worry about the one who can destroy the body and the soul. It's interesting. He says to his 12 disciples in Luke 21, he says, not a hair on your head will be harmed. That's what he says in Luke 21. It's very similar to here. Every hair on your head is numbered. Here's what happens to the 12 disciples. Let's see that slide. You might have to go back one. I jumped out of order. John, one of his favorites, exiled on the island of Patmos, crucified Philip, Andrew, Peter, another favorite, Thaddeus, Bartholomew, and Simon, beheaded James, chopped with an axe, Matthew, stoned and then clubbed James, and speared Thomas. So, not a hair on your head is going to be touched. When you look at that, I don't see how both of those things can be true on the surface. Something else is going on there. John 17, when Jesus is praying for his disciples, this is one of his final prayers. He says to his Father, Protect them by the power of your name, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction. That's Judas. So that scripture would be fulfilled. So either the Father just said to Jesus, You know what? No. I'm not going to honor that prayer. I'm not going to protect them. Or protection looks different where we live now. Protection looks different on this side of Jesus' coming. In the Old Testament, it's generalization. But what you see is physical protection. God protects my body. And he protects our nation by us winning in battle. In the New Testament, we see a shift. What was physical in the Old Testament becomes spiritual in the New Testament. What Jesus seems to be saying is, you don't need to worry about your... All of these bad things are going to happen to you physically, but you don't need to worry about them because I've got your heart. And it's safe with me. That's why Jesus can say, I protected them. And Father, you're going to protect them, even though they're going to... Ten of eleven are going to be martyred for their faith. Jesus can say... You can do this. You can watch out for them. You can protect them. He can look them in the eye and say, not a hair on your head is going to be harmed. You stand firm to the end and you'll be saved. Why? Because ultimately the physical is not the final word. So we live in a war zone. I can expect difficulty, but the physical is not the final word. We've said before, we've kind of used that little analogy. If my life and is, is, is if we consider the age of the earth and put it into 24 hours and say the world has been here for 24 hours, then my life is 18 minutes. That's the ratio. And I think what Jesus is saying is it's okay. Paul calls them light and momentary. And he says that as someone who suffered. So where does that leave us kind of moving forward, thinking about what does that mean for me? You're guaranteed a couple of things. You can think about this. You're guaranteed protection from the wrath of God. That's one of the things that Jesus' life and death and resurrection did for you and did for me. The wrath of God is his righteous anger poured out on sin. You can read Revelation if you want to know what it looks like. And those are just metaphors. It's, it can't be described. Righteous anger for, on sin, that's God's wrath. And because I'm a sinner, Ephesians 2, 3 says, I'm a, by nature, I'm an object of wrath. But because of my relationship with Jesus, he's protected me from that. And we say saved. What am I saved from? I'm saved from the wrath of God, which is one of the consequences of my sin. The wages of my sin is death, 
one of the consequences of my sin is I have to experience the, God's just punishment for that. And Jesus says, you don't have to do that anymore. I've saved you from that. I'm guaranteed, I'm calling it spiritual kidnapping. That's a terrible phrase. But that's what Jesus says. In John 10, he says, once, I, once you say yes to me, I grab onto your hand and nobody can break my grip. I'm stronger than all of them. Nothing external to me and you, Jesus and us, nothing external can separate, you, can separate us. Paul says in Romans 8, 8 and 39, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Angels can't, demons can't, present can't, past, future, doesn't matter. Even death can't separate you. His grip is so strong that nothing can pull you free. Think about that. Of all the bullies in the universe, none of them are strong enough to separate you from God. And so what Jesus can say is, I've got your back. I'm saving you from the wrath of God. You don't have to experience that disconnect. You don't have to pay for your sin. That's secure, locked up, 100%. And your relationship with me is 100% secure. There's protection there for you. You don't have to worry that you're going to wake up. People ask me all the time, can I lose my salvation? And I say, no. It's, like you, it's not like your car keys. Can you throw it away? Yes. It's an intentional, conscious choice on your part. But what Jesus says is nothing external can do that. You can't. Once you're in, you're in. His grip is stronger than anyone else's. And so you don't have to worry about that. So there's confidence and there's peace. What Jesus also says is I'll be with you through the rest. You don't have to face the wrath of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Jesus. And I'll be with you through all the rest of it. Whatever that is, I'll be with you. Never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you till the end of the age. When I went to college, my first quarter, the thing that struck me the most, I went to the University of Georgia. It wasn't that I went from a school with 1,800 people to 30,000, and I'm trying to navigate that. It wasn't that the classes were so much harder, or apparently in college professors don't actually have to know how to teach to have the role. None of those things did it. I lived in an apartment. It wasn't that I had to learn to live on my own. I remember I was walking by the baseball field one day, and what hit me, was high school doesn't matter. I'd spent four years, in high, and nobody cared. They didn't care what letters were on my jacket. They didn't care what my class rank was, my SAT score. They didn't care whether I'd gone to the prom or I got left home. And they didn't care about any of that. I was looking at these guys. They, they were trying out, I knew from the paper, they were trying out for a couple of spots, some walk-on spots. And I was thinking just four or five months ago, these guys were the best. They were the best guys on their team. They were all county they probably never had to sweat anything. And now they're busting it to try to get on the end of the bench. And most of them aren't going to make it. And for me, it was, just this, it was this perspective. Wow. It put high school for me, which it was great, but it put high school for me in perspective for a bigger picture. I meet with couples all the time who are about to get married, and that's the thing I can't communicate. They see me and they're 25 or they're 28 or 32. And if, you're, if you do this right, Barring some tragedy, you're going to be married longer than you've been alive up to this point. There's a length here, and you've got to get some perspective on what we're saying yes to. I think that's what Jesus is saying. Yes, persecution, it's bad. And arrest is bad, and betrayal is bad, and being hated is bad, and physical pain is bad. Even All those things are bad, but they're momentary. It's 18 minutes in light of 24 hours. It's 75 years in light of forever. You need to worry about what I'm protecting you from 
is this eternal deal. Eternally, you don't have to experience the wrath of God, which is hell, literally. You don't have to experience that. I've saved you from that. Eternally, you don't need to worry that anybody can pull you apart from me because they can't. So as long as you say yes, then we're, we're in this. Think about the security that comes from when God has your back forever. For many of us, places of disappointment and disillusionment come in. When we ask God to do something physically for us and he doesn't do it, and I don't know why. We live in a fallen world and we have an enemy who prowls around like a lion looking for people to steal and kill and destroy. Sometimes they win. Sports metaphor. What's your sport? You're going to win the championship. You're going to win the Masters. You're going to get, win the World Cup. You're going to get the gold medal, World Series, Super Bowl, national title game, whatever it is for you. When you say yes to Jesus, you are guaranteed you're going to win. It's no longer in doubt. We continue to play out the regular season, and we will lose some games. It's reality. Nobody's undefeated. Nobody's got a perfect record. We will lose some games. Why? I don't know. It's just where we live. We live in a fallen world, and we have a vicious enemy, and sometimes he gets the upper hand. But that doesn't affect the fact that you're going to win the Super Bowl. It's already locked up. There's nothing that, you can, there's nothing that can be done external to you and Jesus that's going to cause you to lose. That's what he's saying here. I've got your soul. I've got your heart. He's not minimizing physical discomfort. He's just saying, in light of, let's put it in perspective. So you lost, you lost a game along the way, and it was difficult. It hurt. You're still going to win the championship. So what does that look like for me in terms of how I live my life? One, you pray for protection. You do that, and I do that. I pray every day for those things. You pray for God to protect you. You pray for him to protect your family, the things and the people that you love. And he does. Prayer is inviting God to get involved, and he, and he responds. I have no idea, neither do you, how much misery we've been saved because us or other people have prayed for our protection. We don't know. It's a negative. You can't, we can't put it in the bucket. There are things that didn't happen, and we didn't know they were going to happen. I have no idea. But I know God responds to prayer, and so we pray for protection, and we're going to do that in a few minutes. And with 100% confidence... If I pray for you, I will believe that God can and will protect you, that he will physically guard your life and watch over you. And at the same time that I'm 100% confident in God's ability and his willingness to protect you, I also am never surprised when bad things happen to Christians. Never. We live in a fallen world. We have a vicious enemy. So God is 100% willing, 100% able, and Sometimes we lose games. That may sound trite. Don't hear it that way. I'm not minimizing. It's just the reality for us. And we've got to hold on to both of those things. What does he say? Don't, wor- don't worry. I know what I'm doing. I'm sending you out into a war zone. In some ways, you're ill-equipped. You're a sheep and they're wolves. Secret weapon is I'm with you. Super secret weapon is nothing can separate you from me. And so, yes, pray, God, protect. Here's some psalms up there that you can read if you want to, what does it look like biblically to pray prayers of protection? Those are some great ones up there on the screen. And at the same time, it doesn't throw me, and I don't want it to throw you. 
as a Christian, I'm not guaranteed the absence of sickness or poverty or frustration or despair or grief or pain or loss. I'm not, Jesus is not like the, a genie who's going to protect me from all of those things and I'm going to live a, a pain-free life. That's not how it works. He sends me into a war zone. He says, you've got a job to do. Now do it. And I'm with you the whole time. If you get arrested, don't sweat it. I'm with you. When you're betrayed, don't sweat it. I'm with you. When you're hated, don't sweat it. I'm with you. When they're killing you, don't sweat it. I'm with you. And I see it all. Even if it's done in the dark, I see it. And it's all going to come to light and I'll make it right. That's what he, and don't ever think that when those things happen, it's because I don't care. I know every single hair on your head, and I keep up with them when you lose them. I know you're worth more than sparrows, and I know when the sparrows die. Don't you ever think for a second that when you don't feel protected physically, it means that I didn't care, or that I wasn't aware, or that I was asleep on the job. It's not that at all. We're in a war. And I didn't come to bring the kind of peace that you're thinking of. It's not just the absence of conflict. The kind of peace that I'm bringing as the Prince of Peace is the presence of wholeness in all of life. And there's an enemy who wants, who is hell-bent, literally, on keeping that from happening. Peace will come. But that's the way it's going to come. It's going to come because I defeat every, everyone and everything that's opposed to this rule in this reign. So yes, pray for protection and never allow the fact that bad things happen to cause you to question his love for you. Continue to have faith and trust in the one that makes everything right. That's what we looked at with Joseph. He fixes everything. He redeems everything. Read Revelation 19. He's going to come back and this time he is going to have a sword and he's going to use it and he's going to right every wrong and he's going to bring justice to every instance of injustice, he's going to wipe away every tear. That's what he's going to do. And so you can continue to have faith in him even when you feel like, or even when reality is, you're suffering physically because that's not the final word he is. Let's pray. God, I thank you that your son Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning, the end, the first, and the last. And so... We're giving you, Jesus, the final word. We say to you, you are the final word. Our circumstances are not the final word. Our interpretation and perspective is not the final word. Our difficulties and griefs are not the final word. The final word is Jesus. And Jesus means God saves. And you do that. The final word is Emmanuel. God is with us, and you do have our backs. And so my prayer for every man and woman in this room is, first, are there places where we're exposed and we don't know it? Or we know it and we're playing with fire. Would you bring conviction? I played football for one year in the eighth grade. I didn't like it. The thing I didn't like the most was when you put on a helmet, you couldn't see to the side. There's no peripheral vision at all. For some of you, you're playing with a helmet on. You can't see. You need to ask the Lord. Be sensitive. God, are there any places where I'm exposed, any things that I can't see? 
rum ripe for the picking. God, I pray for any here today who would say, I I am a sheep among wolves and I'm getting torn up. Would you restore them today? Would you make yourself known to them? Would they know your nearness and that you're not asleep at the wheel and that you're not mad at them and punishing them? God, would you step in and would you comfort them by your presence and change their circumstances? And God, I pray for any of us who are just scared. We read that. And we think about ourselves, we think about our spouses, we think about our kids or whoever, our loved ones. And we say, if that's the thing, I'm keeping everybody close. There's no sending out. God, I pray that you would so capture our hearts with your beauty and with your love. That we would count the cost and we'd still say, send me. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have ministry teams here up in the corners. I want to challenge you to come forward today. Um, God can absolutely do work in your heart, in your seat. But again, this idea that we're in a bit of a battle here, sometimes just getting out of your chair and coming forward is a step. That's a step from you that says, I'm in this, and I recognize what's going on. So I want to encourage you to come forward. Anything, but particularly if there's an area of your life where you're saying, I need protection. If it's physical, relational, financial, whatever, if there's an area of your life, you're like, I need God to, to have my back in this area. We want you to come forward. We've got time. You don't need to feel rushed. Uh, so please come forward and Bo will dismiss us after this song.